You're listening to Research for Equity, a podcast series offered by the University of Global Health Equity, a transformative global health sciences university based in Rwanda. Research done right can be a powerful tool to improve the lives of millions of people around the world. Yet we still have a long way to go in addressing the vast inequities in healthcare and global health research we see today. Outdated models still endorse researchers and their findings from rich countries over those from the developing world. And yet there is a wealth of high quality research from low income countries that remains untapped and severely underfunded. We need research that addresses the contextual needs of vulnerable communities, influences action in policy and program development, empowers global fighters to advance discovery that benefits underserved populations, and moves us closer to an equitable world. This series meets some of the researchers driving forward this mission and presents a personal view on their work in addressing some of today's most pressing global challenges through an equity lens. Hi, my name is Claire Kimwell, and I'm a proud UGHE alumni of the class of 2019, consultant for the WHO Cervical Cancer Elimination Initiative, and today's Research for Equity episode host. This podcast is hosted by UGHE, an institution committed to addressing research inequities by promoting global health research to meet the needs of vulnerable communities and delivering innovative training for global health researchers and professionals to serve the underserved. In today's episode, we speak to five recent graduates of UGHE's Master of Science in Global Health Delivery Program, the MGHD. Their paper, recently published in the Journal of Science, Policy, and Management, explores the pressing issue of child marriage in Nigeria. It's a powerful call for action for the enactment of a maternal and child health countrywide policy to end this practice and better support those affected. I'll let our newest alumni introduce themselves. So my name is Henry Kanor Sejineza. I'm a graduate from UGHG in MGHD program class of 2020. My name is Chinosu Emmanuel Okori. Uh, I'm a medical doctor by training, and I'm also a recent graduate from the University of Global Health Equity. My name is Hawa Obaje. Uh, I'm from Nigeria, and I've always worked in um, sexual reproductive health and women's health in general. And I'm a recent graduate of the University of Global Health Equity, class of 2020. My name is Chinelo Chris Okengu. My background is in medicine and surgery. Uh, I've been working with the Ministry of Health in Nigeria for some years. I'm a recent graduate of the University of Global Health Equity. So my name is Anema Broimana, and I'm a graduate from the University of Global Health Equity in the Master of Science in Global Health Delivery. And I have interest in uh, reducing or fighting any cities and as well just making sure that people know about one health approach in addressing health issues. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. It's great to have you. And again, huge congrats on your recent publication. For those listening, we've added a link to their paper in the caption of this episode. But today, it's all about hearing from the authors themselves and delving deeper into their work. Hawa, I'm going to start with you. 
Can you give us some context about the challenge you were addressing in this paper? How did you and the team arrive at the subject of child marriage in Nigeria? Um, Nigeria has the third highest absolute number of child brides in the world with an estimate of 22 million child brides. Um, the practice is most common in the Northeast and the Northwest region among the Hausa Fulani ethnic group and among the poorest rural households. So in Nigeria, 44% of girls are married before their 18th birthday and 18% of them are married before their 15th birthday. These child brides, the ones below 19 year olds, are more likely to die when compared to the age group of those who are above 20 years old. And, and when they do not die from childbirth, they suffer complications like postpartum hemorrhage, um, obstructed labor, obstructive fistula, and among so many other dangerous um, complications. So one of the, um, the key drivers for child marriage in Nigeria include like level of education of both the girls and their parents, political and economic ties, gender norms, and poverty. Thanks for taking us through that, Hala. Some of the figures you outlined there in relation to the sheer number of child brides, especially in Nigeria, are stark. It's a growing humanitarian issue that hasn't received the exposure it deserves to drive change now and for the future. So, on the subject of change and driving action, Chinello, what do you think are the main objectives of this paper? The aim of uh, the paper is to draw attention to the issue of child marriage in Nigeria, particularly to elevate the issue to a matter of uh, national security, as matters of national security take precedence over others. Um, in 2015 alone, maternal mortality accounted for about 58,000 deaths Meanwhile, the Boko Haram insurgency claimed about 13,000 lives between 2010 and 2015. However, the Boko Haram insurgency gets more attention. So as federal laws override uh, state laws during the matter of national security, so elevating this issue of child marriage to a matter of national security means that the Child Rights Act and other acts that seek to improve maternal and child health can be implemented without the bureaucracy of uh, federalism law implementation. It's really great to hear you speak about using the power of research to drive countrywide policy change, Chinello. Hopefully this is something that can pave the way for other countries to implement similar national security considerations for maternal and child health matters. Now, Let's go into the process of developing this research. Amable, I'm going to hand over to you to take us through the most surprising finding you encountered while writing this paper. Yes, thank you. Uh, our most striking finding was that uh, although the government realized the effect of education as a weapon of child marriage, and it amended the Convention of the Rights of the Child to provide access to free and compulsory education. Uh, most children are still out of school, especially where the practice is most prevalent, with the insurgency compounding effect and regressing gains already established. Also, our findings surprised that there also isn't any established reporting system for child marriage in the communities, like when they have those cases. And the third one was that the most influential stakeholders in the regions where the practice is most predominant 
are grandparents, religious and traditional readers who are the most authorities and have the most influence on parents and girls. And then this keep, of course, cases going high. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Amable. I think it's so important what you've highlighted here about education, specifically as a tool for addressing issues like this one in a sustainable way for the future. This, after all, is what UGHE's mission is built on. I was also interested in your reflection on the key influencers, being grandparents, traditional healers, and those closest to the group affected. These key stakeholders are too often overlooked when it comes to implementing policies, and yet they're often the people with the most nuanced understanding of where the problem lies and how best to approach a solution. Henry, I'm going to come to you now. Now that the paper is written and published for the world to see, what do you hope your findings will achieve? What's the short and long-term impact you'd like this paper to have? Um, we hope our findings will draw urgency to the impact of child marriage when it comes to maternal and child mortality, as well as morbidity. The complications and death tolls faced by these young girls, the lack of education and opportunities to develop physio physio physiologically and physically. Most importantly, they, their power um, on this issue on reaching our sustainable development goals three, which is good health and well-being, and goal five, which is eliminating violence again against women and um, as well as you know um, eliminating harmful practices. So to achieve these bold development goals, we have to strive for policies that break bureaucracies and command action. Thank you. It's great to hear you talking about commanding action here, Henry. Research should always look to the future, asking what's next or what can realistically be done for sustainable improvement and how. Chinonso, I'm going to give you the last word. If I asked you to leave our listeners with one key takeaway from your paper, what would it be? It is obvious that child marriage, of course, is an injustice to women. And considering the age of the women involved is an injustice to children because it threatens their life, it threatens their health, and it also threatens uh, their right to self-actualization because it denies them access to the early education that they ought to get. Often um, after child marriage, children are denied of their right to complete their education and get to uh, intellectually uh, fulfill um, what they have the capacity or the or potential to fulfill. It's been uh, estimated economically Nigeria um, loses about 7.6 billion US dollars in earnings and productivity yearly as a result of child marriage. But the truth is you may never get to um, estimate what it truly really costs Nigeria in terms of money millions of lives that ought to contribute to the development of Nigeria and the rest of the world in form of women, wonderful women, we are losing their contribution. And it's also very important to, to note with the recent uh, COVID-19 pan pan pandemic, which is keeping girls um, away and of course other children away from, from school. Child marriage still, even as we talk, 
is likely still on the increase and it is further compounding the impact of child marriage. We think that it is time for the Nigerian government and other relevant stakeholders to prioritize the issue of child marriage, considering how much it's doing as in injustice to girls and how much it is keeping Nigeria far away from achieving uh, sustainable development goals, particularly the goals that has to do with um, uh, health and of course, um, the way we treat women and young children. Thank you very much. Wonderful women, we are losing their contribution. Such powerful words to end on, Chinonso. Amable, Awa, Chinonso, Chinella, and Henry, thank you so much for joining us on Research for Equity. And thanks to the listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To read their full research paper, please check out the link in the caption below this episode. It's well worth the read. And stay up to date with the newest UGHE podcasts on our website and social channels. And don't forget to follow at UGHE underscore org on Twitter and Instagram and at UGHE.org on Facebook. See you next time.